Supposed journalists at the CBC are nothing more than radical trans activists. And on today's show, I'm going to walk you through the latest evidence. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It's our favorite show here at the Candace Welcome Show, the Friday, Fake News Friday segment. We are bringing it back. I saw this article from the CBC. It is peak CBC. Every single element of this story is just so over the top, so agenda-driven, so ideological, so far from doing a service to Canadians by providing them with news. So I figured I would walk you through it in full just to show you what a farce CBC has become. So. Look, we've been covering this issue a lot uh, on the Candace Malcolm Show and uh, True North overall, I think it's an incredibly important uh, story and revelation in Canadian media, in Canadian public policy, in Canadian life. The fact that a politician, Danielle Smith, has come out with a bold, brave policy to ban surgeries on gender dysphoric children, to ban life-altering sex change operations, um, and then seeing how other politicians across the country, namely Pierre Polyev, have followed suit and come along and defended this policy and now doubled down on that defense uh, is something that would not have happened even a year ago in this country. And I think it's a tremendous uh, revelation, something worth covering in deep. So I'll take you back to that day that Danielle Smith announced the policy, which was February 3rd. And our friend Jonathan Kay pointed this out on Twitter, that this is what the CBC national news page looks like right now. So John K tweets, CBC news editors having the expected meltdown. This is what the national CBC news page looks like right now. And if we can just zoom in a little closer on what that page actually looks like, you can see the stories that they're covering. So the main story on the site is transgender allies in Calgary and Edmonton protests against Alberta's proposed new policies. Daniel Smith says legislation coming this fall. And then all of the other stories on the website. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six other stories. They're all reactions to Daniel Smith. And they're all from the exact same side, which is people who are outraged, people who find this absolutely unacceptable, people who are having a negative reaction. You know, in journalism school, we're taught, like, tell both sides of the story. I think to the CBC, telling both sides of the story means, you know, tell the side of athletes opposing this policy, tell the side of doctors opposing this policy, tell the side of teachers opposing this policy, tell the side of activists opposing the policy. It was literally just all the different sides that opposed the policy, even though we know that the statistics uh, have come out, they polled Canadians. We know that somewhere between 50 and 75% of Canadians support Danielle Smith and what she's doing. But from the CBC's perspective, everything about this was a travesty. Every single news story had to focus on how wrong it was that she was doing this. And so this is coming from sort of the same mentality. I stumbled upon the story and I'm going to uh, read it to you pretty much in its entirety. This is what the article looks like. It says, this clinic for gender affirming healthcare went private. The founder wishes it didn't. Foria offers virtual healthcare for trans and non-binary patients in Ontario and Alberta. And then it shows an image here of Dr. Kate Greenaway, who is the medical director at Foria, a virtual-only clinic for gender-affirming care. She launched this privately-run service after her former clinic closed due to funding changes by the Ontario 
government. So it's sort of the CBC's like two favorite things to rail against, which is uh, anyone who is opposed to their transit ideology and also anybody who supports private care. Um, and we get it all in this glorious news story. So let, let me just um, read it through you. It's like, it, again, peak CBC. If they can, if they can rail against someone and and promote transideology, and then at the same time rail against anyone for suggesting that there should be private healthcare in Canada, uh, they will do it. And that's what this article does here. So, let me just read through the story. It says Kit Sparrow was faced with two options when he sought out gender affirming care: wait months for a specialist appointment, or pay out of pocket for a privately run virtual service. The Ontario-based accessibility technology engineer had spent years trying to understand his gender identity. Last March, he decided to visit his family doctor and begin transitioning. While his physician responded positively, they didn't have the training or experience to, pres to prescribe hormone treatment and instead referred him to an endocrinologist. This referral spell says came with a seven month wait list. Hearing that I had to wait even longer was a punch in the gut, he told the host of this podcast. So let me just stop here because like we're supposed to read this story with empathy for this young woman who suddenly believes that she's a man and she was pleased that her doctor went along with it. And then we're supposed to be, feel a great deal of sympathy that she had to wait seven months. Well, the, perhaps it's just a reminder like to anyone who lives in Canada and has any experience with the Canadian healthcare service, like everybody waits, everybody waits for everything. Like when I was pregnant in Toronto and I needed to find an OB, I had to go to a family doctor and they get referred and then wait. And I was pregnant. I literally had to go see a doctor to have my six week visit and my eight week visit. And I had to wait. That's just the normal experience of people in Canada. There are currently 3.4 million people in Canada on some kind of a wait list waiting for some kind of a surgery. This is according to Second Street. So the idea that it's like so uh, you know, unusual or unfair that, that this individual had to wait seven months uh, just doesn't really ring true for anyone who lives in Canada and has had the experience of having to see a doctor uh, or wait to see any kind of specialist. That's just how the system works in our country, unfortunately. Okay, so going back to the story, it says, Depending on where a patient is located in Canada, wait times for gender-affirming care can be months to years, a precarious position for people who are already struggling with their mental illness. So just another note here, when they say gender affirming care, that is a euphemism. It doesn't really exactly describe uh, what is happening here, okay? So the idea is that when it comes to gender for these people, they're saying that it is different than their biological sex. So the biological sex is a woman, but their gender that they see themselves as is a, uh, is a, is a male, and so they want affirming care. So they want health care to make them a man. They want a sex change operation, uh, which, you know, as everybody knows, you can't change your biology. You can't change your sex. Um, so they say that you can change your gender uh, and they want gender affirming care. So so taking you to the other gender, that, that that's, that's what they're referring to with this sort of soft, nice sounding gender affirming care. We're talking about sex change operations typically. And um, interesting note as well is that the article says right out, <laughs> that it's a precarious position for people already struggling with their mental health. So the article kind of lets the cat out of the bag and saying that the people who are going through this procedure are mentally unwell, that, that, that this is a form of gender dysphoria. These people are mentally unwell. And they're saying that because they're mentally unwell, we have to give them life altering, sex altering medications, medical interventions to somehow help save their mental illness. I, I mean, 
my, my initial instinct when I read that is, these people are mentally ill, let's treat the mental illness rather than mutilating their bodies uh, because they believe that they are the opposite sex. I mean, it seems to me pretty clear in the subtext of this article that that, that is a proper response. Uh, however, that's the exact opposite of what the CBC is advocating here. Okay, I'll continue to read. It says, transgender health researcher Avery Ahart says the trans and non-binary community is facing a crisis of access to gender-affirming care, and there may be value in trying to throw every possible solution at it. So interesting. There's always a crisis when it comes to this stuff. It's always an emergency, crisis of care. We should throw every dollar possible at this issue. I mean, take a step back. Like, what are we throwing? What do, what do you want to throw every dollar of care at? It giving drugs and hormones to very confused young people, um, offering really risky surgeries to people who might come to regret this decision, people who are already suffering from mental illness. It's like, it's like not only are they so dead set on pushing their radical solutions to these social problems, but they they want to treat it like every like we have to devote every dollar of, of taxpayer money possible um, to fulfilling their you know ideological wishes. Uh, so here she says, but she warns that further privatization of the healthcare risks creating an inequitable two-tier system where those with funds can get care quickly and those without it have to wait while investors profit off of a marginalized community. That might be one of my favorite sentences ever in a CBC story. Um, this is sort of the argument that we've been hearing for like decades in Canada that, no, 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 we can't, we can't have privatized care because it will just mean that rich people will get to pay and everybody else has to wait. Um, it, except for the current system that we have now, where just everybody waits. 3.4 million Canadians wait. So, so at least in like this imagined, like they create this boogeyman saying like in this terrible two-tiered system, rich people will get they want and everyone else has to wait. Well, at least in that system, some people get the care that they need <laughs> as opposed to now where like nobody gets the care they need. Everybody waits, everybody's suffering from a system. And then they throw in for good measure here uh, while investors profit off a marginalized community, like if we had a private system, investors would profit. Uh, what investors exactly is the CBC referring to here? What what investors? Honestly, we're talking about like pensions, government pensions, and teachers' pensions um, that are typically the ones that invest in like large uh, private-held companies in Canada. So it just so it's just so bizarre. This you know this is a, this is a news article. This is written by a straight news reporter, not an uh, you know someone doing commentary, not a opinion piece, not an analysis, uh, but they just write, write that in. Like everybody knows, everybody at the CBC, it's like common wisdom at the CBC that you cannot private healthcare because some people will get what they want, others will have to wait and investors will profit. It's like just such a communist mentality. Okay, this article is almost done. Just uh, finish it up here. It says, this is something that disincentivizes us from fixing what's wrong with our existing publicly funded healthcare system, says Everhart, an assistant professor of geography at the University of British Columbia, facing a seven-month wait to begin hormone treatment with worsening mental health care. Spare decided to go to Foria. Within a few weeks, he had a prescription for testosterone. I'm lucky enough to have been able to afford it, but I'm very disappointed that it's not already covered. This is life-saving care, and I will be honest that I don't think I would be here today without it. So there you have it, the uh, tried and true, um, the, 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 the favorite tactic of the political left. If you don't give me what I want, I will kill myself, or these people will kill ourselves. We hear this argument over and over and over again. So 
I wanted to sort of take a step back and just sort of, you know, go through some of these arguments uh, that we see first. Within this CBC article, there were a couple of clips embedded. So I do want to show you them just because it shows you they, you know, they, they wrote this article and then they simultaneously also did a uh, video segment where they interviewed a teen from Alberta to talk about the troubles that that teen had in basically getting access to the care that they wanted, um, getting access to the sex change operation that this teen was after. So first I'll play the clip. This is the teen complaining about the onerousness of having to speak to a doctor before getting the drugs that he was after, she was after. Play that clip. It was like um, asking me really weird questions. Like what if I wanted to get pregnant someday? What if I had a husband someday? I think he asked me like, what if you want to keep your boobs? Like, it was so weird and invasive. We just wanted a referral to a gender clinic. Just a referral was all that we wanted, and then it would be out of his hands. He refused to do that for us. Well, good. He, I'm glad he refused to do that. It sounds like a common sense doctor there talking to a confused young teenager, uh, walking through the future risks, because we know that so many of these children who undertake these life-changing surgeries and procedures live to regret it. And when they're 20, 25, 30 years old, and they do, it turns out, it turns out that they, weren't, they don't want to be a man anymore. They want to be a woman. They want to have children. They want to be able to fulfill you know, their duties as a, as a human being and procreate. And they realize it can't because they've had their uterus removed or they've been sterilized. So a doctor asking a child just very common sense questions like, think about your future. Do you really want to carve up your body? Do you really want to lose your breasts? What if you want to have children in the future? I mean, those sound like really very decent and, and important questions to ask this child. And you can tell that the child there is saying, like, how dare he ask me that question? Like, I, I saw this trend on TikTok and I want to do it and I'm here to get my referral. Give me my drugs. Don't ask me questions. Shut up and just do what I want. And it's actually kind of surprising that the CBC did that interview, conducted it, and then aired it. Because when, you, when, when I watch that clip, I see a petulant child who is very confused. Uh, not someone who I think is like absolutely like life-threatening that we indulge this child and change and give give this child the sex change operation. I mean, it's pretty wild. Okay, I'll play one more clip. This is of the CBC's journalist. This person is a journalist talking about how important these sex change operations are and how they can be life-saving. Let's play that clip. Trans youth say gender-affirming healthcare can be life-saving, but depending on where you live in Canada, it's hard to get and the wait can be years long. But there are healthcare providers across the country providing this kind of care. They want to make it easier for kids and teens to get it. So that is a journalist. She comes across as an activist. She comes across as someone who is in a commercial trying to promote this uh, butchery. But she's actually a journalist, and that was her online news segment that she did. So that's that's what we're dealing with here, folks. That's, that's the state of journalism in Canada. And one final clip. This is a doctor that was interviewed um, giving the claim again that these kids will kill themselves if you don't give them what they want. So let's play that clip. Affirming care is sort of a bigger term, but it really means, you know, meeting the kid where they are. That's what endocrinologist Dr. Daniel Metzger wants to do. Metzger co-authored a new position statement by the Canadian Pediatric Society, endorsing affirming care for transgender and gender diverse kids and teens. They have no legal support, but they also have no medical support in some places, or if they had medical support, it's been taken away. So. Um, you know, the unfortunate fact is that the uh, suicide rate amongst trans youth is 
the highest of all, that goes down very rapidly once a child is just talks to one grown-up in charge and says, yeah, we believe you, let's help you out. Metzger says many kids and teens are only interested in social transition, changing their appearance or their name. So that's not true. That last line about how most of these kids are not interested in any kind of medical intervention. All they want is just to talk to an adult who will understand and they just want to like change their appearance and go by a different name. That, that that's obviously not the case because if, if that was the case then we wouldn't be having this discussion then daniel smith's policies about banning surgeries and hormone treatments they wouldn't have cared if, if most if the, the biggest issue most of these kids just simply wanted to go by a different name at school that's one thing that's one thing but what we're talking about is these interventions is the surgeries and the hormones and that's why they're up in arms so they, they can't simultaneously say like most kids don't even want the drugs they don't even want the surgeries and then when a politician says okay fine we're not going to allow well, like, good, good that they don't want them because we're not going to allow them. And then they all like scream and pull their hair out and say that it's, you know, a dictatorship. It's like because the first statement isn't true. So I, I just want to quickly go through this claim, uh, this idea that if you ban kids from getting these surgeries and taking these hormone drugs, it puts their lives at risk because you do a little digging and you find, you know, Dr. Jordan Peterson, I shared this on my uh, show earlier this week, he said there's not a shred of clinical evidence to support this claim. And yet you'll see that almost every article, almost every like, even just a tweet of people condemning uh, Daniel Smith's policy, they always note this statistic that kids will kill themselves. It's, it's a threat, it's used as, as a tactic. They will kill themselves if you don't give them what they want, so you have to give them what they want. Uh, well, when we look at the actual statistics, um, this is from an organization called statsforgender.org. We learned that there is little evidence that medical transition decreases suicidality. When it comes to gender dysphoric children, there is little evidence that medical transition de decreases suicide rates. There's little evidence to assert that puberty blockers are necessary to prevent surgery. So. I'll just quickly read here. It says, after sex reassignment surgery, one study showed that adult transsexual clients were 4.9 times more likely to have made a suicide attempt and 19.1 times more likely to have died from suicide after adjusting for prior psychiatric comorbidity. Similarly, an Australian paper notes that many patients have poor outcomes, which puts them at risk of suicide. That means that the surgeries get botched. I covered that on my last show as well. Surgeries get botched. These people are in chronic pain as a result, and that puts them in a higher risk of suicide. A prominent study claiming that medical transition alleviated suicidality had to be corrected to clarify that it proved no advantage of surgery in this regard. A long-term Swedish study finds that post-operative transgender people have considerably higher risks of suicide behavior. Okay, so literally the opposite of what these people are claiming. Finally, a study from the European Journal of Endocrinology demonstrates that suicide rates among transgender male to females were 51% higher than the general population. So anytime you hear someone say that these kids will kill themselves if you don't let them have these surgeries, just share these statistics. Share these statistics. Let them know that this is not true, that the kids don't end up not killing themselves because they get affirmed and they get this health care. It's the exact opposite. We have studies and we have the numbers to prove it. And look, to another point, and, and again, I made this uh, point in my last episode of my show, which is that 80% of children who suffer from gender dysphoria end up going back to wanting to be their original biological sex post-puberty. So this is a stage that 
kids go through. It is very uncomfortable. It's very awkward. A lot of the children that suffer from gender dysphoria have other issues and other illnesses. A lot of them suffer from mental health. A lot of them are on the autism spectrum, something that we don't often talk about as well. But 80% of them end up going back to wanting to be their original biological sex. And many of them end up just being gay or lesbian as well. And so the idea that we need to indulge these children and give them life-altering medications, in some cases surgery, as a solution, and the CBC advocates, like, it's absolutely urgent, we have to do it now, and if we don't, the kids will die. Like, none of that is true. It's all propaganda. It is absolute ideological nonsense, and people need to reject it. People need to learn the facts, and they need to reject it. It is the role of parents and adults in our society to help children, to help them understand the world, to help them guide guide through difficult decisions and difficult uh, stages of their life. And it is not helpful to indulge these children in delusions, in fantasies. It is not helpful to politicize them and make them political bonds and political tools uh, to, to fight against your chosen political adversary. And what the CBC is doing here, this is not journalism. Like every aspect about this is silly and farcical and obviously agenda driven, but it's also terrible. Like. Like, this is not based on the truth. This is not based on anything honorable. They are pushing a twisted ideology that actually leads to more pain and more suffering in our society that takes confused children and manipulates them and leads them to wanting to, to, to destroy their own bodies, to prevent them from having children in the future. Like everything about this is just so terrible. Like I, I would usually laugh during Vic News Friday and say like, how silly is this news story? We should all make fun of the CBC. But this is far worse. This is poisonous. This is cancerous. And this is just one other reason that we seriously need to get rid of the CBC. This organization needs to be defunded once and for all. What they do is not journalism, is activists. It is activism and it is bad for our country. It's bad for society, bad for the world, and especially bad for people who read it and digest it and consume it and believe that it is true. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.